You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. The historical recount of David and Goliath, right? So what was going on here is you had King Saul and the armies of Israel, and they were west of Bethlehem preparing to battle the Philistines. The Philistine army was large as well, and both of them were kind of on the top of a hill looking to fight in a valley below. And they're preparing for this huge battle, this war. And what happens is the Philistine army sends out its champion. It sends out this one guy, and he walks down kind of into the valley and basically challenges Israel. And this man is the the chosen champion of the Philistines, and the, the scripture tells us that he's large. He's about nine feet tall. And he's got 175 pounds of armor on him, and he's got a bronze helmet, and he has a huge spear and a sword, and he's got a shield so big that he has a guy that just carries it in front of him. And he comes out and screams at the armies of Israel and challenges them and basically said, listen, there's no point for us just to battle here. I'm the champion. You guys send out your champion and we'll fight. And if your champion beats me, then all the Philistines will be slaves to the Israelites. And if I beat your champion, then we win and you guys have to give up to us. And he says, you know, this is basically this is the challenge he puts out. And then he starts screaming about how basically defaming Israel and their God and their, their culture and who they are. And he's basically just kind of screaming insults at them and challenging them to come fight him. As you can imagine, not a lot of people jumped up to fight this nine-foot guy standing in the middle of the, the battlefield screaming at this whole army of Israel. So meanwhile, as this is happening, we kind of flash to David, who we've met earlier in this book. Um, And David is still the youngest of all of his brothers and sisters. And because of this, David is back at his father's house. Um, It says that his father was already old and on in age. So his dad was too old to be fighting in the military. But his three oldest sons were in the army. They were at the battle. And so David's job as the youngest, he still had to, somebody still had to take care of the sheep. And so he's still home taking care of all the sheep, and then occasionally he's running back and forth to this battle site to bring food, to bring extra equipment, to bring word and notes from his dad to his brothers. Like, go check, go, go check on your brothers, come back, tell me how they're doing. Things like that. So David is kind of a, uh, what we'd call today, right, he's kind of like a go-between, or he's kind of a gopher. Right, if you've ever heard that term, right? Go for this, go for that. That's kind of David's job. Is he's, he's getting sent to do all this stuff as well as take care of the family um, land, the family plant and the family sheep. So he's still doing, doing his job doing that. And so one morning, Jesse, his father, wakes up and says, hey, David, take all this equipment, this food, bring it to the army and come back with a token from your brothers. Come back and tell me how your brothers are doing. So David gets there early in the morning, just in time to hear Saul out there screaming at the armies of Israel, as he's done daily now for 40 days. And for 40 days, no one has taken him up on his challenge. And David hears the things that he's saying about Israel, about representing, about Israel's God, 
right? Our God representing that. And David gets angry. And David basically goes to the guys and goes, what's going on here? Like, how come nobody's fighting this guy? Like, you hear the kind of stuff he's saying about God, the stuff he's saying about Israel. Why, are, why is somebody not going out and shutting this guy up? What's going to happen here? And they all report, oh, well, if, you, if the person who does do that is going to get all sorts of stuff. They're going to get land. They're going to get one of the king's daughters to be their wife. They're going to be able to be in the king's court. They're going to get riches, right? The king has set all these rewards because it's been 40 days and nobody still has stood up to do this. But David is more angry and concerned about the fact that this guy's just being allowed to defame Israel and to defame God. And so finally he says, I'll go. And he goes to King Saul and he says, hey, I'll go out and fight this guy. Now keep in mind, as, we've, as, as we, it tells us here, Goliath's nine feet tall, right? David's about 14 or 15 at this time. So he's not gotten what we would probably call his man body, right? <laughs> he's at that 14, 15-year-old, probably scraggly teenager kind of stage. Um, and he goes out and he says, listen, I'm going to fight this guy. And King Saul says, that's a bad idea. Like, you're, a, you're not even a man, and you want to go challenge this giant. And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And David says, it's not a, pro-. He says, it's not a problem. He says, I, I guard my father's flocks all the time. He said, and there's bears, there's lions, and any time they, they try to attack my, God, the, the, my, father's, my father's flocks, God protects me. And he allows me to kill these, to kill the sheep and to kill the lions. He says, and just like that, I'm going to go out and grab this guy, just like I'd grab a lion by the mane or a bear by his jaw and then whack him in the head, right, and kill him because God places them in my head. God's going to, he's going to do the same to this guy who keeps standing here and defaming God and his people. And David, the great thing about David here is David has no doubt in it. He's not saying, like, maybe this is going to happen. David's like, this is going to happen, right? Someone needs to shut this guy up. I'm going to go do it. He's no different than a lion and a bear. If I'm not afraid of a lion and a bear, I'm not afraid of this guy. And so King Saul says, okay, like, if if you're going to do that, all right, well, you better take my armor. And he tries to put his armor on him. And if you guys remember, Saul's a big man, right? King Saul was a head and a half above almost all the other men. So he was a large man, and David's 14 or 15. The armor does not fit, right? David could barely walk in this armor. So David's like, no, I'm not wearing this armor. So he takes the armor back off. He says, I'm just going to go out like I am. I'm going to take my sling and my stones that I use to keep animals and predators away as well out in the fields. I'm going to take this stuff, and I'm going to go out with it. I'm going to deal with this guy. So he does. David goes out, as you remember, and he meets Saul. And Saul almost thinks it's a joke. Because he's been waiting for, or not Saul, Goliath, almost thinks that this is a joke, right? Goliath's been waiting 40 days for someone to come fight him, a champion, and this 14 or 15-year-old kid comes walking out with nothing. A sling, which is kind of a stick, right, that he can, that he can sling stones from, right? And he, that's all he's got. And Goliath calls him out. He says, listen, I'm out here. I got my armor on. I got my shields, my spear, you know, my sword, everything. And you come out at me with a stick? Like a little guy? Like you've got to be joking here. And he even threatens, threatens David. He says, listen, 
you, you want to rethink this because I'm going to kill you, rip you apart, and leave your pieces for the birds and the coyotes to eat. Like, this is not a fair fight. David retaliates back to him and says, I'm not afraid of you. Like, you've, you've blasphemed God and you've blasphemed his people, and we're putting an end to that. God's not going to allow it. And in fact, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to rip all your men apart and leave your whole army for the, for the, the animals and the birds to eat. And so then they get into this fight. And it's not really a fight, as you guys all know. David basically shoot, he takes a stone from his pouch, puts in the sling, fires it at Goliath, and it hits Goliath right in the head, and Goliath drops dead. Then David goes out, pulls Goliath's own sword off of him, and chops his head off, takes it back to Jerusalem. The end of the story, basically, as we know it. right? David prevails. The armies of Israel prevail because then once the armies of the Philistines see Goliath get killed by this kid, they run scared. And the, Philistine, and the Israelites chase them. And they chase them back past where they came from. So it ends the kind of battle that would have been by David doing this. Now why I bring this up, we all kind of know the story of David and Goliath. Right? It's a very popular Sunday school story. Um, even people who aren't churched, if you ask them, hey, tell me some Bible stories, they're probably going to tell you about Moses. Right? They're probably going to tell you about Noah and the ark. They're probably going to tell you about David and Goliath. They're just widely known even in, in American culture today. The problem is, is that sometimes they've taken on a different moral or a different theme to them that, they, that people miss. People who don't know God, people who don't read God's word, right? They're looking at David and Goliath, and now if you talk about David and Goliath, what do most people say? It's an underdog story, right? It's a story about the little man standing up to the big guy. It's a story about how the little guy defeated this monster, this, this giant, and everybody loves an underdog, well, if that's where we stopped in this story, we'd be missing a large part of this, right? Because this story is really not about being brave in the face of a giant. This story is really about having total faith in God. This story is about having a faith that saves. Because David did not kill Goliath on that battlefield. God did. David threw the stone, and that's where he left off. God, God made sure that that stone hit the right spot. God put the oomph behind that stone that it says the stone sunk into his, into his head. And God laid down Goliath and put him down. It was David's faith through that whole scenario that's what we really should be looking at here. And we talked about this before. Pastor Sean said this too. You know, 1 Samuel is a book about faith. And we see faith in a number of different people in a number of different ways. And here we see a remarkable faith in a young man in a very challenging situation. And so if we're going to take a look at David's faith, there's three pieces to David's faith that I really want to look at, right? The first is that David has a faith that serves. When we find David, he's not trying to be a hero. He's not looking to puff himself up. 
He's not looking for the best way to get in with King Saul or any of the generals or to be well-known, right? In fact, when we first find David, we find him in uh, verse 12. I'm going to jump to, if you look at verse 12, it says, Now David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, right? Named Jesse. Now this is really kind of a lot to throw at you, right? He's the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah. Well, that's a lot of saying kind of the same thing. Um, an Ephratite means he comes from that area, specifically Bethlehem, which is the city in that area, within Judah. So it would be like me saying, hey guys, I'm Steve, a guy from, you know, I'm Steve, a New Yorker from Albany in America. It's kind of the same thing here, right? He's an Ephratite from that region, specifically Bethlehem, in Judah, the larger country, the larger nation. And why this is important as well is this has, this area has been through, involved in the Old Testament in the Bible going back even further. If you remember Bethlehem in this region, right, is, is became kind of famous already because this is the burial place of Rachel. The area of Bethlehem is where Rachel died in childbirth with Benjamin. And so he's a descendant of the people in that area. And the people is specifically living in Bethlehem, which is just east of where this battle is going on. And so he says, David was the son of this man from this area named Jesse, and he had eight sons. And we know this already. We've seen it in one of the earlier chapters. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. So as I said before, he's too old to go and fight. So Jesse's home because he's an older man. He's had eight kids. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. So the three oldest were old enough to participate. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammai. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain. That's just a bushel, about a bushel. So take a bushel of this parched grain and then these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to the camp for your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. So, you know their battalion commander? Give him all these ten cheeses. And then also, take these, or take these ten cheeses to the commander of the battalion, and see if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. See if they're well, and bring me back a note or a letter or something, news from them, that lets me know how they're doing in the battle and in the army of Saul. So, as I mentioned when we find David here, he's serving. He's not looking to be famous. He's not looking to be a hero. He's not even acting as a soldier. David is serving where God has placed him. He's taking care of the flocks of sheep, even though there's this major battle going on. And I'm sure a lot of young men probably want, or, you know, kind of uh, chomping at the bit to go out and be part of the army. Right? There's this, this ability, there's this opportunity in the, in the Israel army that's local, and they're fighting this battle not far from here. 
But he's tending to his father's sheep. He's taking care of the house with his dad. And then he's also basically running support. He's bringing cheese and bread and grains over to his brothers, to the army. He's bringing notes back and forth. So he's serving his father. He's serving his family in a godly manner. And he's serving God by doing that. So we see here that part of the faith that David has is a faith that serves. His faith tells him he needs to serve in the place he's at. Right? Where has God placed you? You may not be in a place where you're well known. You not, may not be in a place where it's easy. I'm sure David didn't have easy work. Matter of fact, he told us later in here he was beating down lions and bears all the time. Right? Um, he didn't have easy work. Right? But where are you placed right now by God? And how can you best serve in the place you're at? I'm sure it wasn't fun for David to have to haul grain and a, bu a bushel of grain and 10 cheese wheels and, you know, 10 loaves of bread miles back and forth to the soldiers carrying notes after he'd been spending all this time out in the fields defending the flock. But he did it kind of with a faithful heart, and he did it out of love for his family and out of love for God. So where does God have you, and what can you do while you're in that service is something we should ask ourselves, right? David didn't make any excuses or wait until later when the time was right. He did it when he was asked, and he used that and looked for opportunities. He looked for where God might need him, and that was part of the faith, the strong faith he had. Also, we see here that David had a faith that loved God. That's the second part of his faith that we see about him. David's faith was a faith that loved God. In verse 24, it says, All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Everybody saw Goliath. They're like, nope. No, I don't think so. Right? Most guys probably saw Goliath step out. He was... Nine feet tall, it said that his, his spear was the size of a, a weaver's beam, right? Which is like three inches wide. It's the beam that, that holds up the whole blanket that's being weaved and all the weight of a weaving uh, device in the ancient world. So it's this huge beam, right? So this spear looked like a weaver's beam. He was so, such a big man. Most of these guys saw him, they're like, no, nope, no, nope, that's not for us. I don't think so. No, nope, we're not going. As a matter of fact, we know because 40 days have passed. Most of these guys had fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. He'll give him a daughter as a wife. And he'll make his father's house free in Israel. Meaning he doesn't have to pay taxes. He's kind of part of the king's court. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For he's just an uncircumcised Philistine. That he should defy the armies of the living God? Right? David says, beyond what you guys are talking about, you guys are talking about getting riches, stuff like that. Who's going to deal with this guy? Because this guy's a Philistine. He's not one of us. He's a pagan. He's got all these other gods. And we're just going to let this guy stand there and defy the armies of the living God? We're going to let him stand there and come out here every morning and yell taunts and uh, defy God, defy God's armies. We're just going to let this guy keep running his mouth? 
And the people answered him in the same way and said, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Well, he'll get all this stuff if you kill him for the man that kills him. And David actually, if you read through the, the chapter, after David's asking this, it actually starts to make some people uncomfortable. David's brothers say, shut up. Like, stop talking, right? Nobody wants to fight this guy, right? You need to stop asking all these questions. And David says, all I did was ask a question. You shouldn't be afraid of that unless it's because you're afraid to go face him. But David never shows that fear, right? David, these men are afraid to the point where they have to be rewarded or motivated. And David just says, listen, we just need to go out and deal with this guy. It's none of that's important. What's important is that the guy is running his mouth about, against God and against God's people. So David's love is what's most important. David's love of God takes precedence, and that's his motivation. He's like, this needs to be stopped. But none of the, guy, none of the men want to deal with him, right? Including, and I should point out, right, including King Saul, who technically probably should have been the guy to go do that, especially since we know he's the biggest of the guys, He's big, he's strong, he's the king. But he spent 40 days just offering rewards as well. And David says, we got to do something about this guy. So David shows a love of God. David shows a lack of fear, not of the giant here even. He shows a lack of fear of anything that's defying God. He's more upset and angry about it. Right? We may not be facing a giant in our world today, but are there places in our life where we're afraid to say something? Are there places in our lives where we don't necessarily stand up for our religion? We don't necessarily stand up for God, for God's word, what God has said, because we're afraid of what people around us might think? Right? That we need to be more, we have to have a faith that loves God. And if loving God is the premier part of it, if our heart is truly for God, then that should take precedent over anything else. Whether it's what people might think of us, what people might call us, right? If it's a nine-foot guy in your face, right, with a sword and a spear, any of that, David didn't have that fear because he just wanted to love God. And just like if somebody came up to you and started yelling, you know, spent 40 days calling names about your wife in your front yard, you'd be pretty angry. If somebody came and started talking about your grandma, right, or your little brother, maybe not your little brother, I don't know what your brother's your sibling situation is, but someone kept screaming about someone you love in front of your front yard, you'd be pretty upset. We should show that same love that we have for God in a way that David does here. And that's what we see. David's love, has, David has a faith that serves, and he has a faith here that loves God. Loves God so much that he's not afraid to fight this giant himself as a 14, 15-year-old boy. And that leads us into the third piece here, which is that David has a faith that trusts in God. And that's the third part of why he does, he's not afraid here. Because he serves, he wants to do what God wants him to do, and if this is the place he's been put, then this is what he's going to do. He has a faith that loves God, and loves him so much that he can't bear to hear this Philistine out there screaming things against God and his people. And then lastly, he has a love that trusts God. He trusts that God's going to handle this situation. So why should he be afraid? God protected him when he fought lions and bears in a field. There's, he's definitely going to be in, 
okay when he fights this guy who's screaming about, who's screaming, you know, insults and defilements about God and his people. So part of that we see in the fact that David doesn't need Saul's armor. When Saul's armor doesn't fit, David just says, I'll just go out as I am. He doesn't say, let's take a week and maybe you should make some armor for me that fits. Like, if I'm going to fight this guy, maybe you should make, give me some regular armor that can fit a 14 or 15-year-old guy, right? He doesn't say that. He says, I trust God. I didn't need armor when I fought a lion or a bear. I don't need it now. I'll just go out as I am. God's going to handle the situation. And in verse 43, we see, The Philistine, or Goliath, said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Right? Goliath starts by saying, What do you think I am, a dog? Like, you, I'm out here as a soldier, as a man, and you come out here with a stick? Not dressed for battle? Am I a joke to you? Listen, I'm going to rip you into such small shreds, I'm going to leave you out on the ground and just let the birds and the beasts eat you. I'm going to let the hawks and the coyotes have you. That's how bad I'm going to defeat you right now. Many of us, that would kind of be it. You'd be like, excuse, wait, excuse me? Like, I thought we were doing like a fight, and then the winner just won. You're talking about ripping me into shreds and leaving me out for like the birds and stuff. That's pretty intense, right? Uh, maybe this is not where I should be. I think I took a left at Gath instead of a right, and I should be bad, and I, maybe I'm not in the right situation here, right? David's not, David is not afraid, and he's not intimidated by this giant telling him he's going to ultimately rip him to shreds. Instead, David says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. You've got all these weapons, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This day of the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. And then I'm going to give the dead bodies of all of your Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And the whole earth is going to know that there's a God in Israel. And then all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hand. David says, you might think you're going to rip me apart. Yeah, you're a big guy. You come at me with all these weapons. I don't have any weapons at all. But I have faith in God, and I know God. I trust that God's going to deliver you. So I'm not going to be ripped apart to left of the beast. In fact, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off, and then I'm going to rip all your men apart and leave them out to be food for the beasts and the hawk. What do you think about that? To be honest, that's got to be a little unnerving to a Goliath, right? If all of a sudden you're having an argument with somebody that's like the size of a child compared to you, and they're like, I'm going to cut your head off and then kill all your men, and you'd be like, what? Are, you, are, are we even in the same conversation here? Like, you, might, you must be delusional. They just sent out a crazy person to fight me. But David had faith in God, and he trusted in God. And he says to him, listen, I don't need swords. I don't need spears. I don't need any of that stuff, because God is going to deliver me. God's going to make sure that this ends with your death and with the Philistine army's retreat or death themselves, because by doing that at the hands of a 14 or 15-year-old, the whole world's going to know that there's a God in Israel. They're going to know that our God is the awesome God. Our God is the most powerful God. 
So this is not about a fight between me and a giant, David is saying. This is about glorifying God. And this is an opportunity where God is going to show his glory. So I'm not afraid, and David completely trusts in that. David's trust for God shows by his actions, right? He doesn't back down. He's not afraid. He doesn't go hide behind a rock. He doesn't try to come out in armor with a bunch of guys guarding him. He just says, I know God's going to do that. His actions are shown in that, right? Um, it's one thing to say you trust in God. It's another thing to prove it. And David proves it in this instance. James, remember James said, faith without works is dead. That's what this is here. David has faith, and he's got the works that back it up, right? Talk is cheap. Back up what you're saying. And David backs up his faith by saying, here I am. I'm not afraid, and I believe that God's going to end you. David throws the stone out of faith. It's not his own ability or his own agenda. He throws that stone purely out of love and trust in God. And that stone, as we know, puts Goliath down. God handles the rest of it. And it's interesting because David, even in this one act, is serving God and fulfilling God's word. Right? Leviticus 24.16 tells us, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. Well, Goliath got stoned. And it was fulfilled right there. You know, one of the other things that we don't necessarily focus on a lot in this, this story, and I think it's interesting as we wrap this up, is that the last thing that David says to Goliath before his death is he says, God is going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to destroy your armies. And this is going to happen so the whole world knows that God is, knows that the God in Israel is the true God. And he says, and this whole assembly, everyone watching, everyone here today, is going to know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear. God doesn't need a sword and a spear to save. And it's interesting because this is a thousand years after this fight, roughly. A thousand, a thousand thirty, somewhere in that area, right? When Jesus is preaching all throughout Judea, um, the Jews and the people who refused to recognize Jesus as the Messiah did it because they were expecting God to save with a sword and a spear. And he didn't. God, when Jesus came and ministered here on this earth, Jesus saved by healing the sick. And Jesus saved by, um, you know, healing lepers. He saved by feeding people. He saved by helping the poor. He saved by teaching. He saved by loving on people, not with a sword and a spear. And this is actually, this battle of David and Goliath is a great picture of that, right? It's one thing to look at a kid versus a giant and say that was an epic battle. But really the epic battle was that Jesus, through faith, in, our, in, in us through faith as well, in Jesus, defeat death and sin. Right? Jesus' sacrifice was the ultimate victory over a giant, death and sin. And so when we look at this, we need to remind, remind ourselves that this is a bigger picture here. Right? When we put our faith in Jesus, 
He overcomes sin and death in our lives. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raises him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, what's it say when we say put your faith in him? Well, we need to place our faith in Jesus, a faith that saves, or a faith that serves, as we saw when we look at David here, a faith that loves God, and a faith that trusts in God. When we look at David in this situation, that's a great example of what a faith in Jesus looks like. A true faith. We need to look at something that despite the odds, despite the the things that might be going on in our life, despite the size of the challenges, that our love for God, our willing to serve where God has put us, and our ultimate trust in God no matter what, we've already been saved. doesn't matter what else is going on in our lives, right? If you put your trust in Jesus, then he saved you from death, and, you get to go to, and you're going to go to heaven and have eternal life. If you haven't taken that step, I invite you after service today to come talk to myself, talk to Pastor Dan, talk to Pastor Sean. There's three of us, seek one of us out. If you're not sure what that means, well, he said put our faith in God, and he's talking about this faith that's trusting, this faith that's loving. I have an idea, but I'm not sure about that. Come talk to us, right? If this is the first time you've ever heard this, come talk to us. Um, but this really is the ultimate message of the entire Bible, the entire gospel, is the salvation of humanity through Christ. And faith is the bonding of that, right? As we saw right there in, Rome, in Romans just a moment ago. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer and the worship team is going to come up. But I would say this coming week, you know, think about David and Goliath. And when you think about that, reread the story and look at the role that faith plays in that story. David's faith. And not that David actually slew Goliath, but that was done by God and by God's um, divine presence and the fact that God used David. He used a 14 or 15 year old boy who had faith and he used that to save himself and to save the armies of Israel. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.